Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you feel like with guys like you and Josh and, and even Russell before that, with the way the quarterback position is going, is this is this what quarterback's going to be going forward? Rather, not really having the just the stand guy in the pocket, you're going to have to have these guys around as much as you guys do? I mean, <laughs> if I was a coach, uh, I, I, I like a guy that can do both. Um, just because, you know, you got options. You got, um, you know, it opens up the offense a little bit more. You're uh, a lot more dynamic. Uh, get out of sticky situations. Uh, and then in football, especially in the NFL, there's going to be a lot of sticky, sticky situations because everybody's so good. So that, that's just my, uh, that's my take on it. Kyler Murray, Cardinals quarterback. First quarterback possibly to have 4,000 yards passing and 1,000 yards rushing. He's on pace to do that through half of the season. And he's phenomenal. And it's easy to say, let him run the ball when no one can catch him. But boy, what he's done this year, Peter, has been phenomenal. And we get another test this weekend. And it's as big, if not bigger, of a test than what we saw last week when the Dolphins went to Arizona and beat the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. It's Josh Allen now, fresh from beating the Seahawks, coming to town. Allen, a guy who can run the ball. Murray, a guy who can run the ball as well as any quarterback who's ever played the game. A great, great game looming on Sunday afternoon between these two teams. I bet the NFL never thought when they scheduled Buffalo at Arizona that it would be <laughs> game of the week. I can't think of a time in NFL history, seriously, when Buffalo, when the Bills and Cardinals would ever have been the game of the week. This is the game of the week this week. Now, after Josh Allen sort of resuscitated himself last week with a great performance, I mean, that was a tremendous performance outdueling Russell Wilson. I mean, it helps that his defense really badgered Russell Wilson, no pun intended. And 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 obviously, uh, you know, the Seattle defense was not as stout against Josh Allen. But I'll just say this. These two quarterbacks, the reason that it's so cool, 
I didn't think I would be talking about Kyler Murray like, hey, he's a threat to throw for 400 every week. But, I mean, he's thrown for 380 and 360 in two of the last three or four weeks, and he's such a threat to run the ball. And, Mike, I look at Kyler Murray right now, and with we are in the golden age of NFL playmakers. DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Michael Thomas. I mean, there, there's so many great offensive playmakers, Alvin Kamara. But right now, to me, the most fun individual to watch in the NFL is Kyler Murray because his running ability is, it, it, it's, it's, more, it's more of a threat, in my opinion, than Michael Vick was because he just has the ability to outrun anybody on your defense. I, I just, I think he is at the ver- on the verge, really, of exploding as a huge player in the NFL. You know, I've said all year, he's got a combination of speed, agility, and awareness that the NFL has never before seen. And people argue, well, what about Mike Vick? What about Lamar Jackson? Well, Vick didn't have the awareness. He got hit too many times. Lamar Jackson gets hit too many times. Kyler Murray will do everything it takes for the most part. I think he let his competitiveness get the best of him at times last week. Took a big hit on a third and one play, and I think that's one of the reasons why they didn't let him run it on fourth and one and did a shotgun handoff to Chase Edmonds instead. But usually, you do the lateral hook slide, the step out of bounds. He reins in that desire to get a few extra yards and show what he can do. He knows where everyone else is at all times. It's amazing. It's almost like, Peter, and and, and I think one of the things that makes him so fascinating is because he's so short. It's like a kid got onto the yeah. field and they can't catch him, you know? And and that's what makes it like if he was prototypical quarterback size, it wouldn't be as exciting. It's more exciting because he's so much smaller than the guys who are chasing him. You know, uh, last year at training camp when I met Kyler Murray, um, y- you know, I felt like, honestly, I felt like I was standing and talking to Russell Wilson because they're my height. You know, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Kyler Murray, even though Kyler Murray probably is, what, an inch shorter than Brees, but, you know, all about the same. And you just say, this is really different. When you're when you're talking to Cam Newton, you're looking up like him, looking up at him like he's a power forward in the NBA. But I think that really, the fact that he's kind of slight and the fact that even though he, when you say he's slight, you clap him on the shoulder, he's, he's made a rock. He, he really is. And so to me, I think that really helps him, the fact that he's slight and he hasn't taken the big hits. And Mike, listen, the one other thing about Kyler Murray, in my opinion, that we've seen, and we said, hey, there will be growth in his game as he adapts from the college game where you use your legs so much, you can't use your legs as much in the NFL. You've got to learn to be an accurate, efficient passer. Mike, the last two weeks, Kyler Murray in hugely competitive games is a 74% passer. And look, that's a snapshot. That's not a career. I get it. But that is a great sign that he is taking that next step. You're not going to survive in the NFL completing 57, 58%. If you start to get to 65, 66, 67, that is, without taking the huge hits, that is a long-term star in the NFL for Kyler Murray. 
and there's so much they can do with that offense as he gets more comfortable. We've seen more designed runs. We see the passing out of the read option look, which can can give a defense. You know, you you combine, you take the RPO and the read option, and you put it together because a lot of the teams that do the RPO, their quarterback isn't a real threat to run, like Nick Foles in Philly a few years ago. But when you have the run threat by the tailback, the run threat by the quarterback, the pass threat by the quarterback. How in the hell do you begin to defend that on a consistent basis when your guys are are stopping two or three different times to figure out what the hell the play is going to be? And defenses, I think, are going to be a key for this Bills-Cardinals game. Neither has a defense that you really put a ton of trust in. And look, the Bills, I think, have a much clearer path to the playoffs than the Cardinals because the Cardinals are caught in this cluster of NFC teams that are all around 5-3, and 6-2. and two. Somebody's going to fall out of that and not make it to the top seven and uh, you know for the Cardinals for all the impressive wins they've had th- that loss last week could really hurt them if they follow up with another one to an a- yeah. AFC East team that's coming out to play them in their own building yeah you know the thing that would really kind of bother me about that loss last week Mike is I thought they made a couple of huge errors down the stretch play calling and coaching first of all Kyler Murray not completing on third and one at the two-minute warning, not either completing a pass, and to me, you know, or running for it, he threw to Kirk, it was incomplete. To me, if you're Cliff Kingsbury right there, and you're down by three points, and you look at what kind of game this is, okay, to me, you got to be in four-down territory at that point. Third and one with Kyler Murray, your quarterback, you can't choose to kick a 49-yard field goal, period, or 48 yards, whatever it was. And and again, look, you ought to be able to make in a weatherless place a 48 or 49-yard field goal. I get it. But it's not a gimme. It's not an extra point. And, and to me, that would bother me about that, you know, sort of the thought process behind that. When you've got third and one and you're at the two-minute warning and you have to score... And you, why do you want to tie the game and give the ball to Tua Tonga-Valoa with two timeouts left, I think, and a minute 55? It just, it, to me, it made no sense. But anyway, it is what it is. So well, I guess the, well, valuable the point lesson, I'm making... Valuable lesson learned. Valuable lesson learned by Cliff Kingsbury, too. You'd send your kicker out there and he can't make a 49-yarder. It comes up short. You'll never do that again. Well, I mean, I should hope not, but if you can't, but Mike, if you can't trust your kicker to make a 49 yard field goal, you better get another kicker. I mean, you know, especially in a climateless place. It's not like there were 20 mile an hour crosswinds in front of them. So to me, I mean, I look, I don't know if they go for it on fourth and one, if they would have made it or if they would have scored a touchdown. One thing, I, I don't know. All I know is that was a bad decision at the two-minute warning. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And when you have a player like Kyler Murray, you know, and that that's where the analytics has to yield to who you have, who they have, how you feel about the play. I bet the analytics said what you, you got to go for it. guys can do. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kyler, Kyler Murray's skills tell me you got to go for it. And, and uh, yeah. uh, hopefully that'll happen the next time the Cardinals are in that situation. All right, Seahawks and the Rams getting together. A very important game for the Rams. They're clinging to the seventh seed right now in the NFC. They win. They move into a tie with the Seahawks and possibly with the Cardinals for first place. I mean, we could have a three-way tie for first place in the NFC West by the time we get to the end of the day 
on Sunday. Uh, here's Aaron Donald, the all-world, all-universe defensive tackle, talking about the challenge that comes from trying to defend a guy like Russell Wilson. Well, it's always a challenge when you're playing against a, you know, a great quarterback like him that can do so much, um, make so much things happen with his arm, with his feet. You know, um, so he's definitely a special type of player. You know, he make our job a lot harder, but we just got to try to, you know, you know, do our job as far as up front to, you know, put pressure on him, make him uncomfortable, um, get to him. You know, so you know we won't have a, so he won't have the opportunity to have a day that you know that he wants. So, you know, this time where I had him wrapped up and he still found a way to get the ball away. Um, so, um, you know, it, it made my job harder, but. You know, we, we definitely prepared and ready for that challenge this week. So, I don't know if he had something under his shirt or if he just has muscles that big on his back. <laughs> Darren Donald is what a physical specimen. And, uh, yeah, Donald trying to chase around Russell Wilson. And uh, the Seahawks have put it all in Russ's hands this year because what else are they going to do? The defense was exposed yet again. Yes, they have DK Metcalf, a real challenge this week with Jalen Ramsey on DK Metcalf. The running game, everybody's banged up. It's not like it used to be. Um, this is this is a, a huge, huge kind of is this plan for the Seahawks working type of a game. They fall to six and three. Maybe this let Russ cook thing isn't going to be you know the answer to what the Seahawks have been looking for as they try to get back to Super Bowl form. If they can win it, and move to seven and two and strengthen their grip on first place in the division, we're going to feel differently about it. So th this is a huge, I think, per perception game. How we're going to feel about these Seahawks is going to hinge on whether or not they can go to L.A. and beat the Rams. Look, you know, it's the same old story. We saw it at the beginning of the year. You know, we said that if Seattle's defense is good enough, they're going to go a long way. Mike, in the last three weeks... The Seahawks have scored 34, 37, and 34 points. Should be enough to win. They've lost two of those games. And so when you look at the way they're playing, and look, last week, that's on Russell Wilson. He turned it over too much. I get it. He handed Buffalo good field position and points. I get it. But in general, Russell Wilson is not a turnover machine. He just isn't. And, and so now you have to hope with Jamal Adams coming in healthy, theoretically now, and with Snacks Harrison probably uh, in line to come back starting next week uh, for Seattle. I look at Seattle as getting two boosts to a bad defense that they desperately, desperately need. And to me, it was just, it was sort of a shame that they were not able to, to really uh, make a deal for a really good pass rusher before the draft or before the trade deadline. Now, Carlos Dunlop uh, is is a good pass rusher, but to me, I really I had hoped for Seattle's sake that they could have gotten Ryan Kerrigan because I think Ke Ryan Kerrigan's got a little bit more left in the tank than Dunlop does, but we'll see. And you know the fact that the defense isn't getting it done, maybe putting more pressure on Russell Wilson to try to do more, and as a result making more mistakes. Turnovers are up for Wilson. And he has gone from being the clear-cut, no-question, no-brainer MVP candidate 
to a guy who's starting to see some of these other potential candidates catch up to him. Patrick Mahomes, I think, is the one he needs to be concerned about the most. Mahomes is having statistically an off-the-chart season. Wilson at one point was. Peter, four turnovers last weekend for Russell Wilson. You can't keep doing that and keep the team on the right track and maintain that kind of MVP presumption. Every once in a while, you get a guy who gets that that shine, that feeling early in the season. He's the MVP. That's going to go away soon if they keep losing and if he keeps coughing up the ball the way he did last week. That's right, Mike. And that's why the MVP, I've always said this, the MVP is a 16-game award. It's not a Week 9 award. And if I had to vote right now, I still probably would vote Russell Wilson. But you're right. Mahomes is having an absolutely ridiculous year. His team is 8-1 and one versus Russell Wilson 6-2. and two, And I get that. But, you know, we'll see at the end of the year. That's why, you know, I really, you know, every week when somebody says, well, you know, now the MVP is, uh, is Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, and I get everybody saying, well, you know, now such and such is the MVP. But really, to be fair, you've got to make sure that you make this a 16-week or a 16-game award. And don't go too crazy with any one specific game. Look at how one game, though, can change the odds, Peter. The points bet odds from last week to this week. It's tightened yep. considerably at the top between Wilson and Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers, a significant jump from plus 1,000 to plus 4,000, or 400, meaning if you bet 100, you only win 400. It used to be just a week ago, if you bet 100, you'd win 1,000. Tom Brady, way down. Drew Brees, way up from plus 15,000 to plus 4,000. Then there's Dalvin Cook. The non-quarterback on the list, who if he keeps doing what he's done the last few weeks, he's going to be the MVP when the 16th game is played, Peter. Yeah, hey, look, Dalvin Cook, uh, you know, I'm sure he really cares about this, but, I mean, he's been one of my offensive players of the week two weeks in a row, and I hate doing that because in many weeks you could just say, hey, give it to Aaron Rodgers or, or, or Mahomes or whatever. So I try to spread it around, but he has been so dominant and in being that dominant, Mike, what you've seen is that's the true meaning of the Most Valuable Player Award. You know, Gary Kubiak, in essence, has basically gone away from this being Kirk Cousins' offense. This is Dalvin Cook's offense, and to a much lesser degree, Alexander Madison. But this is an offense now that scares the crap out of you just simply by running the ball. Hey, it's like what Bill Parcells used to say in the 80s. I remember he used to say, we don't have many running plays. We just keep throwing them at you and say, hey, stop us. And and for a long time with Joe Morris and, you know, people couldn't do that. I think it's going to be the same way with the Vikings. If the Vikings advance to go to the playoffs, if they absolutely right their ship and go to the playoffs, there's no question that you have to give, and, and it continues like this, you got to give Dalvin Cook consideration. Next test may be one of the biggest because last year that running game fell flat in Soldier Field against the Bears. They'll get a chance to make it better on Monday night when they go back to Chicago. One quick betting note before we move to the next game. I thought of it when we looked at the MVP odds. I don't know if you saw this, Peter. Somebody actually bet $99,000 on the Packers at minus 1,100 odds to win straight up against the Jaguars. If the Packers win... The person makes nine thousand dollars. 
If they lose, 99000 goes away forever. I don't understand the upside, but that's the bet that was made. Well, I guess you say, is Jake Luton, I don't even know, is he the quarterback playing for Jacksonville this week? Yes. Is Jake yes. Luton going, in, going into Lambeau and slaying Aaron Rodgers? Honestly, Mike, I, if I had money to throw around, I'd probably make that bet. And I know it's an on any given Sunday deal, but how possibly is uh, you know is that is that illogical to think? Now I understand that the risk is big here. Obviously, if you lose, but somebody betting ninety nine thousand dollars probably doesn't have to worry about losing ninety nine thousand dollars. Exactly. So why do you care about winning nine thousand? Right? Like who because cares? It's, part, it's you, probably part of it. It's it's probably part of a strategy. You know, you make, you right. probably make, who knows, maybe you make a hundred bets a week and you just say, I okay, I, I'm going to make bets on the following and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, gambling to me is insane because nobody ever, ever, ever is going to build a mansion gambling on football. And I know everybody says, oh, well, wait a second. Look at this guy here. Look at this guy there. You tell me over a five-year period, you show me any guy who has won 68% of his bets on football, I will be shocked. It's just, it's too it's a, hard. It's too hard. And it's a ton of anxiety, even if you win. And I think for me, the, the, the losses would hurt so much more than the wins would feel good. It ain't worth it, especially to put up 99,000 in the hopes of winning a measly 9,000. And let's move on by saying this, go Jaguars. All right, 49ers <laughs> at the Saints. Last year, last year, it was one of the best games of the regular season. The fourth down catch by George Kittle, and he's rumbling, bumbling, and stumbling, and it was awesome. And the 49ers established themselves. Now the 49ers... You never know what you're going to get from them. I, I got to give Kyle Shanahan a ton of credit for what he's made this team into with so many injuries. But the 49ers lose 34-17 last Thursday night. The Saints destroy the Buccaneers 38-3. I guess it would be fitting if now the 49ers beat the Saints, Peter. Do you see that happening? I mean, I think it is highly, highly unlikely, Mike. I don't see how they can give them a great game either, especially after what we saw with the Saints last week. The problem is, Mike, these 49ers with this team and this talent playing this week, they can't score enough. They simply cannot score enough. And I don't just put the, the it really, it was, on, honestly, it was a 10-point game that they had against the Packers last week. It was a garbage-time touchdown that made it 17 that the Packers are saying, ah, whatever. Um, so, but, but, but I just don't see any way right now that, you know, the 49ers, the 49ers are going to have to score high twenties to even have a chance to win this game. I just don't see it. Yeah, I, I don't either, but you know what? I thought the Buccaneers were going to win last week too over the saints and we ended up being wrong. So you so never know. I. That's why they play the games as Chris Berman would say, here's Drew Brees on the Saints that are now 6-2 and two hitting their stride. I think each week we've gotten a little bit better. I mean, it, it's, been, it's been an unusual season, especially, I think, um, offensively over the last four or five weeks just because of the amount of personnel turnover um, with guys being injured and that kind of thing. So I feel like, in a way, we're just hitting our stride a little bit. Um, 
you know, get Michael Thomas back. I think he's going to continue to um, kind of get back into form, um, you know, with the more reps um, and just kind of coming back off the injury. Emmanuel Sanders as well. Um, and, and obviously just the more time that we have together. So um, that combined with the guys that we already have and, and the young guys that we have that can contribute as well, um, I'm excited to see our evolution. It really is impressive in hindsight how they kind of held it together, piled up wins. None were overly impressive. They had to come from 17 down right. on Monday night to beat the Chargers. It just, you know, the games were not the old school Saints come out and steamroll you until Sunday night. And now with Michael Thomas back, Emmanuel Sanders back from two games that he missed due to COVID-19, they used Taysom Hill as well as they have at any point, better than any point all year. It reminded me of how they used him in the playoff loss to the Vikings when he was the best player on the field that day. You throw all that together, and the defense stepping up the way it did, this, you know, every week the perception changes. Who's the best team in the NFC? Who's the most complete team? And that mantle passed from the Buccaneers to the Saints last week. Whether they keep it or not, who knows? But for now, that, that, that glow is over New Orleans. You know, Mike, I'll tell you, I talked to both Peyton and Breeze after the game on Sunday, Sunday night, and here's one of the things that really stood out. Everybody said, well, geez, you know, a kind of a slow start coming back for Michael Thomas. But that's totally not the point. There's a reason why Drew Breeze in the first 19 minutes of this game completed passes to 11 different players. Okay, and here is the reason, the big reason. Okay, and I'll give you an example. The touchdown pass to Adam Troutman, the tight end, rookie tight end from Dayton. Okay, on that touchdown pass, if you look at the wide angle view of that field, you know what you'll see? You will see split out way left, Michael Thomas. You will see split out way, way right. Who do you think it'll be? Traquan Smith, maybe? Emmanuel Sanders? No, Mike Burton. And you know who Mike Burton is? He's a fullback, okay? So, and, and, and it was kind of funny. The reaction I got from Peyton and, and Breeze was sort of, well, they got to cover him. And so at that point, when you look at this play before the snap, you can see the Bucks are not positive exactly what they should be doing, but the Saints counted on the safety, making sure that Michael Thomas does not beat you over the top or on a fade, whatever, Okay, so what they did is that they capitalized on that. They ran Adam Troutman right up the uh, the post, and he caught an easy touchdown pass. And my point is, everybody when they play the Saints has a plan, but nobody thinks that it's going to be Mike Burton over on the right side as a as a wide receiver and Adam Troutman catching a huge pass to help win this game. And that's the genius of Sean Payton. He never stops looking yeah, it for is. ideas. He always believes he can implement plays, and his guys are smart enough to pick them up. They'll implement new plays in walkthroughs, in the hotel ballroom, the, the morning of the game. Whatever it takes, he is always constantly looking for ideas that will work against the defense that they're playing that week. It's not my system, my way of doing things. It's who are we playing this week? And how do we best exploit the weaknesses that I see in their system and get my guys in a position where they can exactly. be successful? And 
It worked as well as it ever could last week, 38-3, to steamrolling of the Buccaneers, a team that many, including me, were starting to believe could be the best team in the NFC. All right, let's take a break. Speed round as we continue to get you ready for week 10 of the 2020 NFL season. We'll be back with more right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Man, my boy, Lamar got a gear not many human beings got. Game recognized game. No, he the OG, the Superman. For him to be as successful and to make the impact, the big splash in, 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 in this game, you know, not many people have done it. You know, I say Michael Vick, I say Lamar, you know, I, you know, I don't even think I'm in that in that, in that that stratosphere. I watched I watch camp since uh, Arm. You know, um, everyone in the country did. Everyone know about Cam Superman, you know, doing doing his thing, you know. Um, and a lot of us looked up to him. Um, he's a mobile quarterback. Um, he do his thing. He's, he's, he's a person who has who has took this, this league by storm. And especially, you know, early on, the doubt that came with it. I mean, I, I, we all can relate to, you know, being a uh, second guess question, can he play? He got bust writ- written all over him and things like that. And for him to succeed through it all, you know, makes him the true underdog story that we all love to root for. Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson sharing uh, appreciation for each other. And look, two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL getting together Sunday night, NBC. MVP last year, Lamar Jackson. MVP 2015, Cam Newton. Peter, I, I, I agree with everything these guys are saying. I, I just I wish Cam Newton hadn't missed the time that he missed because to me that felt like the moment that, you know, what they were building just completely fell apart in New England and they've been <clears throat> scrambling to try to put it all back together since Newton caught COVID nineteen. Yeah, I agree totally, Mike. I think they were on the path to be an interesting Probably not a playoff team, but an interesting contender this year. And who knows what the future holds. But I tend to think that any team that's down in the closing minutes by 10 points to the New York Jets probably is going to have to play for 2021. This has a potential to be an interesting game. 
I think, though, that if I were Baltimore, I would be thinking a lot about doing what I do best. And it's weird to think that you have the MVP quarterback on your team. But to me, I have seen so many times this year where they get the run going and it's like Dalvin Cook East. You know, they are just absolutely unstoppable a lot of times, even without Mark Ingram. So to me, if I were Baltimore, I would make sure that I had two ways to go coming into this game. But I think, I think that this is going to be a game where they run the ball an awful lot. And that brings us to speed round, but where the underdog edition, Ravens, Patriots, you mentioned that running game, 265 yards against the Steelers. They lost the game. They shouldn't have. Lamar Jackson, a big part of the running game. Mark Ingram, his status remains in doubt. They've got Gus Edwards. They've got J.K. Dobbins. They've got plenty of guys who can get it done. And the Patriots, we saw the last time they faced a great running team. They were run off the field by the San Francisco 49ers. So, Peter, I think that really is a key to this one. Just keep it simple. Do what you do best. Don't get don't get intimidated by the fact that it's the Patriots. John Harbaugh told me after the game last week, look, look, it's still the Patriots. We're, you know, it's still Bill Belichick. We got a young team that's still learning how to win. We have to take them seriously. And I think they will. And if they do, it it shouldn't matter that it's the Patriots. The Ravens should be the better team and they should be able to win the game easily. I think so. But again, look, they they have had a lot of fits and starts with their offense this year, Mike. So I, I agree with you. Run, run, run this week and and just don't try to do anything too outlandish. And I think they win the game. Former Patriots quarterback Tom Brady now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Things were looking good until they weren't an ugly loss on Sunday night. The third worst passer rating of his career, the worst single game passer rating since November of 2006. He was asked if some losses like last week's stand out in his memory more than others. Here he is. Now, I remember pretty much all the losses. I probably don't remember all the wins, but I definitely remember all the losses. Uh, you know, I think they all stick with you because you're competitive and you want to go out there and play your best every week. And you realize it's a, you know, you're not a movie actor where you get, you know, six takes when it doesn't go right. You know, you go, oh, let's let me do that one over again. I messed that one up. You know, let's run that back. So, you know, you're a football player and you're making split second decisions and you always wish, man, I made every split second decision right. But uh, that's just not the reality of uh, of the sports. Uh, Peter, the, uh, you know, Tom Brady, a pretty good spirit for a guy that, that, uh, got embarrassed in prime time yet again this year after the shellacking on Sunday night football, the Buccaneers will what on Sunday? Wow. I wrote my column the other day. I thought going to Carolina and winning would be a Herculean task. I'm not saying they can't be Hercules, but I'm saying that I don't really know right now. If this team can protect an immobile quarterback well enough to be a powerful offense, you think they should be. But Mike, we can't, we cannot unsee what happened last Sunday night when Tom Brady was terrorized back there. And so, and and look, Carolina doesn't have the pass rush weapons that New Orleans has, but Carolina's got Matt Rule. You know, and Matt Rule has pretty much figured out how to play with everybody this year, including how to come within a play or two of winning at Arrowhead last week. So even without Christian McCaffrey, which would be a concerning thing trend-wise, 
if I were uh, Matt Rule uh, and I were Joe Brady. I- I'd be concerned about that, but I do think that uh, they've got a good chance to beat uh, Tampa. I didn't. I didn't fill in your blank. I guess if I were pressed to the wall, I would take the Bucks, but I wouldn't feel very good about it. I think the Bucks absolutely need uh, to reestablish themselves this week, or everything they've done will feel like smoke and mirrors all season long. That it's just something they've stitched together, and ultimately it falls apart when pressure is applied to it. This is a critical, critical game for them after what happened on Sunday night. All right, the Eagles three, four, and one coming Three. off of their bye week. First place in the NFC East at the Giants, 2-7. and seven. They met on a Thursday night a few weeks ago after the Eagles barely won that game. The rematch will be what, Peter? Surprisingly really good, and I like the Giants. And, you know, I think one of the things that we're seeing is that because there isn't a complete team or even close to a complete team in the NFC East, you look for units. Okay, and I start to look for units and I say the Giants defense right now, I like them at this moment in time better than I like the Eagles defense. Now we'll see if that pans out. But what is so interesting about this division, you could have three three win teams at the end of this weekend. If Washington beats Detroit and the Giants beat Philadelphia, there could be three teams basically jockeying for position atop a historically bad division. But I'll just say one other thing. Mike, I found it really, really interesting that Brett Favre jumped on Carson Wentz this week. And because who's one of Brett Favre's best friends in the world? Doug Peterson. Peterson. And it isn't like (laughs) I, I am not in, I'm not in any way implying that Doug Peterson said, oh man, I'm down on Wentz. I'm down. I'm sure, I'm positive that he didn't do that. But I'm saying it's just interesting that Favre just felt like, hey, you know, I would have kept Nick Foles over Wentz. And did you see Wentz's reaction? It was basically, eh, you know, whatever. You know, like, and the translation to me, the translation to me from Carson Wentz is, hey, thanks for kicking me when I'm down at the worst point of my career, Brett. I idolized you as a kid, and this is the thanks I get. <laughs> so I don't know. And I I I just thought it was such an odd, uh, an odd story this week. I I just I didn't quite get a the timing of it and the feeling of it. That even though I thought Foles was great and wonderful in time and all that, Carson Wentz was the future of that team. You know Brett far, far better than I ever will. Is it possible he's operating on some higher level of analysis where he thinks he's doing his friend Doug Peterson a favor by lighting a fire under Carson Wentz by saying what he said? Anything is possible, but I just, I don't think Brett, and this is, I, Brett, the one thing about Favre, that when I talk to people about Favre, because obviously I was very close to him at one, at one point, I still am close to him, but not, I don't talk to him very much. But my point is that he's one of the smartest people about life and about different subjects, different topics. This is a guy who watched the Nature Channel, Nature Channels and National Geographic incessantly. You know, he just, he's got a very wide uh, range of interests. And so I just think he said, eh, 
this is what I think. And he said it. <clears throat> I don't think there was anything deep about it. I don't think there was anything dark about it. I think he simply gave his opinion when asked on a, on a TV show. I would write a very large check for the privilege of eavesdropping on a phone conversation between Peter King and Brett Favre on the topic of politics recently. I would love, I would <laughs> love to have heard that one. We probably uh, would text. We probably would. <laughs> we probably wouldn't have that conversation. <laughs> Texans at the Browns. Texans uh, uh, in some sort of disarray with everything that happened this week with the firing of Amy Palchik, and that's going to be a mess for them for weeks to come. Unrelated to football, but kind of tied to the overall dysfunction of the team. Browns 5-3. and three. The Browns will hang in the race for a playoff berth if what, Peter? If they can win games just like this one. You know, the Browns have an incredibly favorable schedule down the stretch. If they don't make the playoffs, I'm not saying heads should roll, but that's... That's uh, that would be a huge, huge uh, miss for this franchise at this point in time. Uh, even though I think Deshaun Watson is to be feared anytime he steps on the field, I'll be very surprised if the Browns don't take care of business. Going to be cold, going to be windy. The running game is going to prevail for the Browns. They win the games they su- they're supposed to win. They'll go 10-6, and six, and hopefully that's enough to get in. Right now, they're on the outside looking in. They're the eighth seed, but I think if they go 10-6, and six, they will find a way to the postseason. Broncos three and five, Raiders five and three. The Raiders will hang in the race for one of the seven playoff spots in the AFC if they do what, Peter? If they continue to play well down the stretch of games, when you and, and look, that game last week could have gone either way, okay? Because obviously you saw what happened. Isaiah Johnson is in a uh, is is you know it's. The ball's either going to be caught or it's not going to be caught by the Chargers, you know, right in the end zone. But the the Raiders are making plays when past Raider teams did not make them. And look, you can say whatever you want about how the Chargers blew the game. I get it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, did you win the game? Did you lose the game? And excuses are for losers. So the, the Raiders win that game. And they're playing better in the fourth quarter of games when they absolutely need to, when games are won and lost than they have in the past. All right, let's take a quick break. When we return, Friday tradition as we approach the Sunday games. Show me something draft. We'll do that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. Celebrate the 2020 E-People's Choice Awards with live performances, the hottest celebrities, and the Game Changer Award featuring LeBron James, Russell Wilson, Michael Jordan, Serena, Simone Biles, and Bubba Wallace, the E-People's Choice Awards, hosted by Demi Lovato, Sunday on E. All right, Peter, show me something draft week 10. I'm in a good mood today, so I'm going to let you have the first pick. I'd even let you have the first pick if I was in a bad mood. You get the first pick. Show me something, Donovan, Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs. Last week, Ooh. the offensive line of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, look, they know that Brady is not going to be able to move a lot and get out of a lot of trouble. But they allowed Tom Brady to get the crap beat out of him last week, period. And, uh, you know, the chief perpetrators, in my mind, when I'm watching the game, are the right tackle, Tristan Wirfs, and the left tackle, Donovan Smith. Play better. Keep your quarterback alive. 
Show me something, Joe Burrow. This is the moment you've been waiting for. This is your opportunity. An undefeated Steelers team, 8-0. They're a little wobbly. Ben Roethlisberger, injured knees and not at practice all week. Burrow, an incredible amount of confidence, an incredible amount of belief in the guys around him. No sacks last time they played against the Titans, even though they had 80% turnover on the offensive line. I just... Look, I'm getting emails from Steelers fans saying you are trying to will the Steelers to lose. Why don't you get on board with the idea that they go 16-0? Watch the games. They can't win every game playing the way they've been playing, can they? And if they're ever going to be vulnerable, it's in a game like this when they let their guard down a little bit and in come the Bengals. I think the Bengals can take it. And this is Joe Burrow's opportunity. On the day when Tua and Justin Herbert, at the same time when they are battling, Joe Burrow can show to everyone – I'm the guy out of this class. I slayed the giant and took down the last remaining undefeated team in the NFL. I love that because he can do it. He really can do it. If they give him a little bit of time and the quarterback doesn't get killed, uh, and look, the Steelers are great with the pass rush. I really like that one, Mike. Show me something, Baker Mayfield. Okay, you're entering the, la- the second half of your third prove-it season. Okay, how many more prove-it opportunities are you going to have? Okay, this is a game you've got to win. Houston at home, foundering Houston, playing a little bit better without Bill O'Brien, but still, this is a game you absolutely must have. And look, I want to see consistency from Baker Mayfield down the stretch. I don't want to see up one week, down the next. And that's what you've seen too often with him. Show me some consistency, Baker Mayfield, and show me a dominating performance against a team that you ought to be able to beat by double digits. My next pick was one of your goats of the week for week nine, and I know you did it reluctantly because he's a hell of a story, but Alex Smith, show me something. You get a full week to prepare for this game against the Lions. You don't get thrust into the fray halfway through because of Kyle Allen's latest injury. Some of those plays last week that didn't work out, maybe not necessarily Alex Smith's fault. Give him the opportunity to get ready as he's getting, and let's see what he can do, Peter, on the almost – two-year anniversary of that badly broken leg. It would be something to see Alex Smith in Washington take down the Lions and Alex Smith give the Washington football team reason to believe they can maybe sneak up on everyone and take that division. Show me something, Daniel Jones. You know, you've proven to all the world that you can beat Washington. If the Giants played Washington a thousand times, they'd win 999. But... You haven't shown you can beat anybody else. So show me something in a game that you were drafted to win. At home, big game, Philadelphia Eagles, a wounded Philadelphia Eagles team. This is a game, Daniel Jones, that you were drafted to win. Show me something. I could take either quarterback for this next one from the game where they're going to be facing each other. But I am going to say show me something Justin Herbert because Justin you're the guy the Dolphins didn't want they took Tua not you yeah could have had you they took Tua and you've been pretty damn good this year you've been better than Tua you've maybe been better than Joe Burrow but here's the problem the team around you Justin Herbert isn't good enough between the coaching staff between the defense between everyone but you they keep finding ways to lose so Justin and I'm I have a reason for doing this, Peter. I picked the Chargers to beat the Dolphins on Sunday. Justin, listen to me, Justin. 
you've got to do this. You've got to be the one to step up and build the 17-point lead. And this time, don't let it go away. Keep Make it. Make 17-24. <laughs> Make it 24. Make it 31. I'm telling you, this team is good enough to go into Miami and beat a Dolphins team that may be feeling unjustifiably good about itself right now, Peter. And if Justin Herbert shows us something, he'll make me look like not an idiot for picking the Chargers to win. Show me something again, Dalvin Cook. And I say again because clearly, you know, there's nobody in the last two weeks in the entire league who's carried his team the way Dalvin Cook has with the Minnesota Vikings. But it's a little bit of a different animal. This is the Chicago Bears defense. This is Soldier Field. And this is the game that the Minnesota Vikings, in my opinion, have to win if they're going to convince themselves that they can make a wild card run and make the playoffs. Now, look, Mike, Dalvin Cook has been absolutely phenomenal. 6.0 yards per carry. Obviously, if he does that for the year, it's far and away an NFL record for a single season. But he goes in to face the Bears. And look, the Bears have been occasionally, um, you know, run at a bull. <laughs> you know, they're, they're giving up four yards a carry. And so you they're not uh, peerless, um, you know, against the run. So to me, this is a game that I think the Vikings should have the exact same game plan. Dalvin Cook early and often, Alexander Madison in relief for eight or ten totes. This is the way the Vikings have to play football the rest of the way. I'll see you Monday night, and I'll raise you a Monday night. I'm going to say, show me something, Nick Foles. You know, the last time Foles faced the Vikings, similar circumstances. Home underdog were the Philadelphia Eagles in the 2017 NFC Championship game. No one believed that Nick Foles and the Eagles could beat the Vikings that day. I'm stunned that the Vikings are two-and-a-half-point favorites to win at Soldier Field, a place where they've lost four of the last 19 times they've played there, especially because of that defense. But at some point, Nick Foles has to make that throw. And if he can make a few throws like the throws he made three years ago, that's the thing that stops the bleeding for a Bears team that was 5-1, and one, cruising toward the postseason and now loss after loss after loss they're at five and four and this one to me I'm not going to say it's an elimination game for the Bears because we've seen five and five teams pull it around but usually it's a team that's ascending not a team that's descending they lose this one they very well may be done if they can beat the Vikings Vikings go to three and six they're probably done. They'd have to run the table or something close to it to get to the postseason. This is a huge Monday night game, and it's time for Nick Foles to go back to that mindset, that magic, that special quality he captured on that Sunday late afternoon in January of 2018 and do what he did then and save the Bears' season, Peter. Hey, look, Foles is going to have an opportunity, you know, because even though I think Minnesota's defense is rising recently – he's going to have some chances to be able to make plays. So I think the Bears have a chance in this game, and that's why if I were Minnesota, I'd be playing keep away. Not because I fear the offense, but because there's something about Nick Foles that if I'm Mike Zimmer, I'm going to say, look, I, I, don't, I don't really love Nick Foles. You know, he's not Mahomes, but man, he shows up in big games. So I would not be surprised if he showed up in this game. Okay, Mike, my final show me. Show me something, Sean McVay. The last time the Los Angeles Rams were on the field, they were essentially 
just totally uh, swept away by a Miami defense that people weren't really respecting probably enough. But where in the world was that, the, the, you know, the front wall of the Los Angeles Rams? So to me, McVay has got to figure a way this week against Seattle where you should be able to figure a way. Keep Jared Goff clean. You're going to have to score in the 30s to beat Russell Wilson. Show me something, Sean McVay. Peter, you have perfected the art of casually expanding the draft from three rounds to four by perfecting the art of casually expanding the draft from four rounds to five. I didn't have any more, <laughs> but I'll say this. Show me something, Carson Wentz, because Brett Favre thinks you stink. You stink. He thinks that. <laughs> Go out and show Brett Favre that indeed you do not stink. One last note before we go to break, Peter. In this age of analytics, everyone is keeping track of high-level statistical analysis and trends. We have our own sabermetrics department here at PFT Live. I'm told that in four of the last six weeks that Daniel Jones has played on any day but Thursday, you have picked him in the Show Me Something draft. <laughs> oh, I want to see something out of him. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's take a break. When we return, an important question answered. Why did Teddy Bridgewater dress like an NFL official at his press conference this week? You'll find out next right here on PFT. Teddy, why are you wearing that? I'm here to throw a flag on any question that I don't want to answer. No, I'm just playing. I just came from work, uh, my other job, Foot Locker. So, yeah. Mike, Salarte, you want to ask the next one? Uh, is there a reason that you are working at Foot Locker? Um, well, when you got a punter who is 100% uh, on the season completing passes, man, it makes it tough on you. So trying to find another way to generate some in uh, income. <laughs> he goes with two jokes for why he's dressed like a referee. He never quite answered the question, but Teddy Bridgewater, he doesn't need the extra money. He's making $22 million a year, and he's earning it, Peter with the Carolina Panthers. He's been phenomenal this year. He's one of these sneaky outside comeback of the comeback player of the year candidates. I don't know if he gets any votes. And and the fact that he played last year and went 5 and 0 will actually hurt him. But who would have ever dreamed he'd be back playing the way that he is right now? I mean, look, Teddy Bridgewater to me, I got the impression, you know, the contract that they signed him to seemed like <coughs> You know, we really like you, but, you know, if they really liked him, they would have given him a five-year deal. What, they give him a three-year deal, right, Mike? And and yep. so, to me, when I look at Teddy Bridgewater, I say, you know, they looked at him and they say, hey, listen, if if you go 1-15 in 15 this year, we're taking Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> you know, so that, that's what that contract said to me. And again, look, I spent a little bit of time with the offensive coaches on uh, – on Zoom one day in the offseason with Teddy Bridgewater. And I can tell you, Teddy Bridgewater absolutely, totally won them over in the offseason. But there's one other person in that organization who's won me over, and that's Matt Rule. How do you think the New York Jets feel right now looking at Matt Rule being a very strong Coach of the Year candidate? Now, he's not going to win it, nor should he win it. I mean, my top three right now would be Number one, Mike Tomlin. Number two, Brian Flores. But number three would be Matt Rule because 
He has made chicken salad out of chicken feathers there. I really like the job they're doing, and that's going to be a very tough game for Tampa to win. Hey, how do you think the Giants feel? They didn't want to ante up what was necessary to get Matt Rule, and uh, they didn't get Matt Rule. The Panthers did. That's it. Enjoy your Friday. We'll see you back here on Monday. Thanks for some of your time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.